Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Every five minutes, someone dies while waiting for a compatible donor heart, liver, or kidney. On a remote island in Lake Superior, a team of geneticists strive to engineer an animal with human-compatible organs, thereby saving millions of lives. But these ancestors are not the docile herd animals they envision. Instead, the project spawns something big, something evil, something hungry. Ancestor by number one New York Times bestselling novelist Scott Sigler is available for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Realm presents The Witch Who Came In From The Cold, Season 1, Episode 34. Prague, Czechoslovak Socialist Republic, March 1st, 1970. 1. The waitress dropped off a coffee, but Dom left it untouched, just let it steam in the cool air of the cafe. He kept his eye on the door. He didn't know this place. His contact had suggested it, told him it was out of the way. And charming, like he'd care about that sort of thing. He pulled a cigar out of his coat pocket and ran it under his nose, then stuck it in his mouth without lighting it. His contact wouldn't want the scent of cigar smoke seeping into her clothes. A clock on the far wall started to chime the hour. And as if she'd been waiting outside for the sound, his contact breezed through the door. She threw off sunlight like a diamond. She barely seemed to look at him as she glided across the room, slipping her sunglasses off with one hand. He leaned back in his chair, braced the cigar between his teeth. Hello, Zarena, he said. Dominic. She sank into her chair and gestured at the waitress, who darted over, notepad in hand. Zarena ordered a coffee, black, the same as his. How are you enjoying our lovely city, she said. Have you visited the Charles Bridge yet? Haven't exactly had the time. He grinned at her around his cigar. She shook her head in fake disgust. I don't know how you can stand those things. Hey, at least I didn't light it. I'm sure everyone here thanks you for it. Zarena stirred her coffee once and took a sip. She gazed at him over the lip, her eyes gleaming. Dom still hadn't touched his own cup. He wasn't planning on staying long. Although, he had to admit, he was enjoying the small talk. Zarena set her cup down. Really, though, it would be such a shame if you were to miss the Charles Bridge. How many Westerners are able to see such a thing these days? 
I'm not here as a tourist. Dom set his cigar on one of the table's napkins. As you well know. That I do. Her demeanor changed. She hardened. And Dom saw it happen. The glossy facade falling away. Here was the Zarena who had sent word to him through the usual channels. I must speak with you immediately. He'd never seen her before that party during his first days in Prague, and yet she was already proving herself a useful ally. I spoke to our mutual acquaintance last night, Zarena said, and I learned something I think you'll want to hear. He leaned forward, shoving the coffee out of the way. Which acquaintance? Zarena's mouth curled into a sly smile. I think you know. Dom didn't say anything. He did know. Sasha Komietsky. Not a true acquaintance, of course, but rather someone he, and the CIA, was interested in keeping tabs on. And Zarena was the perfect bridge between Dominic Alvarez and the KGB chief of station. A contact with whom he could be seen speaking without raising too many questions. I'd heard whispers, Zarena said, and confirmed it with him as soon as I could. His office knows you have the scientist. Dom's heart jolted. And not only that, but his office knows where that scientist is staying, where your people have him tucked away in safety. Dom picked up his cigar again. He fought the urge to light it up anyway, Zarena be damned. He's sending one of his officers to this location tonight. I thought you should be made aware. What time tonight? Dom stared across the table at Zarena. You're gonna have to give me more than that to go on. She frowned. It turned the sharp angles of her face dangerous and cruel. I don't know, Dominic. He didn't tell me. But you can still prepare. This is a pretty flashy move, even for the KGB, Dom said. Sending an officer right to our front door? Zarena shrugged, her slim shoulders brushing the ends of her hair. It's what our mutual acquaintance wants. I simply thought I should warn you. I thank you for it. Dom bit down hard on the cigar. The pungent flavor of tobacco flooded over his tongue. He stood up. Zarena just watched him. I haven't finished my coffee, she said sweetly. You know I shouldn't stick around. Her eyes glittered. She only smiled at him and then took a sip. I appreciate your help, he said. Oh, I know. She smoothed a hand down one side of her sleek, pale hair. Dom nodded, satisfied. Then he turned and strode out of the cafe into the bright morning. Nadia banged on the apartment door, pounding out her frustrations with her fists. She knew it was risky, being here. Risky and stupid, and in its own way, hypocritical. She hated having to come to this apartment, to seek out this man for help. But she was desperate. She knocked again, so hard that the cuts on her knuckles split open again and left little dots of blood on the apartment door. Open up, 
she shouted. As if someone had been waiting for the cue, the door sprang open. Alistair peered down at her, looking as unruffled as always. Her anger flared at the sight of him, but she pressed it down. There were more important forces in the world than this modern divide between capitalism and socialism. What are you doing? Alistair sounded pleasant enough, but Nadia heard the chill beneath his words. Do you want the whole floor to know you're here? Nadia squeezed past him into the apartment. She wasn't going to be intimidated by Alistair Winthrop. Close the door, she snapped. We need to talk. Alistair raised an eyebrow, but did as she asked. He slid the lock into place, too, and crossed his arms over his chest, studying her. He almost seemed to be smiling, like this was all some delightful prank. Nadia took a deep breath, trying to calm herself. Don't let him see your panic, she thought. And then she realized how absurd that was. Panic was exactly what she needed for him to understand the gravity of the situation. I'm here on ice business, she said. Oh, well, in that case, shall I make you some tea? Nadia glared at him. No, no tea. This is important, Mr. Winthrop. Life and death kind of important. She drew herself up, clenched her hands into fists. Viet Mojagob Sasha Kumietsky is trying to kill Tanya. Our Tanya. Alistair did not let his face betray his emotions, but he said, My dear, I think tea is almost certainly in order. Have a seat. Nadia wanted to scream. She had crossed lines of loyalty for Alistair's help, and he was nattering on about tea. But he had already whisked out of the room and she could hear him in the kitchen, running water and opening cupboards. She stalked toward the sounds. Did you hear me? She asked from the kitchen doorway. The ice is in danger of losing one of its best sorcerers. I heard you, yes. Alistair did not turn away from the kitchen counter. And it's terribly troubling. Hence, tea. He set a kettle on the stove, and then finally looked over at her. I don't want to be here, she said. But I'm, she closed her eyes. Her heart was pounding, her chest was tight, and she kept seeing Tanya's face, so impassive in her insistence that she must do what was necessary to serve her country, that if she had to die, then she had to die, and that was the end of it. You don't need to say it. Alistair murmured. Nadia looked at him, and for the first time, she was grateful to have come here. Is Tanya in immediate danger? Nadia hesitated, then shook her head. Tonight, she's going to her death tonight. Then we have time. No, we don't. Not if we're going to craft a protection spell that could actually help her. Alistair scooped tea into a wire mesh tea ball. A protection spell of that caliber would take more than the two of us, and more than the few hours we have. Nadia scowled. Someone as high-ranking in the ice as you should have access to that kind of magic. Why do you think I'm here? 
I think you're here because you're afraid for Danya. Go sit on the sofa. I'll bring the tea in a moment and we can talk this through. Alistair paused, watching her. Ice to ice. Nadia relented, feeling drained. She knew Alistair was right about the protection charms. For a good one, they would have to have cast the spell weeks ago. But there was still a chance that Alistair had a prepared charm tucked away somewhere. Nadia trudged back into the living room and sank into the couch. She studied a blank spot on the wall across from her. Alistair emerged from the kitchen, carrying two teacups that released wisps of steam into the air. He set them down on the coffee table and then sat beside Nadia on the sofa. For a moment, they stared at each other. Ice and ice, Russian and English. Then Alistair plucked up his tea and took a sip. Tell me what you know. That light mocking lilt had gone out of his voice. He was serious now. They were colleagues. Nadia told him. She told him about her conversation with Tanya. That Sasha, you're certain it was Sasha? Alistair asked, and Nadia glowered, which he took for affirmation, had ordered Tanya to raid the safe house where the defector was being kept by the Americans, even though it would violate a thousand treaties and she would be exposed and vulnerable and better off dead. Alistair held up one hand. I see, yes, this is a delicate situation. Delicate is not the word I would use. Nadia said. Drink your tea, dear. It will help calm you. Nadia grabbed her cup and drank just so he would stop talking about the damned tea. The warmth spread through her. Was she actually calming down? She hoped not. She needed Alistair's help, but she didn't want to prove him right. Now, Alistair said. About those protection charms. Do you have one prepared? Nadia asked. I heard you old timers always have one or two tucked away for safekeeping. You heard incorrectly, I'm afraid. Alistair watched her with his glacial blue eyes. As we already established, the kind of charm you want is extremely difficult to produce. Nadia sighed in frustration and tends to lose its potency if not used immediately. The kind of power to stop death, it's not easy to come by. But it's not impossible, Nadia said, and Tanya's worth it. I don't disagree. I'm merely saying that we don't have the time or the resources to make such a charm before tonight. Alistair paused and sipped at his tea. Not even I have the resources to make such a charm. Believe me, Nadia, I would if it were at all possible. Nadia slumped back on the couch. She stared down at her tea. This had been her last chance. She wondered if Alistair were lying, if she could trash the place and see what turned up. But she took one look at him, at his worried expression, and she knew he was telling the truth. He might be MI6, but he wouldn't let an ice sorcerer die for no reason. However, Alistair said, I do believe I can help in another way. Nadia sat up, alert. What? 
How? She felt a thrill of relief. Maybe Tanya could be safe after all. Tanya is lucky in that she has an ally of sorts with connections to the defector. What are you talking about? Nadia demanded, her relief vanishing. What was he playing at? Tanya has no connections to the CIA. Alistair looked pointedly at her, and Nadia realized to whom he was referring. Pritchard. She cursed in Russian. So you do know him. Stupid capitalist schlub, Nadia snapped. And yes, we aren't in need of a golem tonight. I don't see how he's going to help us. Alistair chuckled. <laughs> yes, that was a rather ill-informed decision on his part. But he can still be useful. I'm not sure how much Tanya has told you. Not much, Nadia thought, although she said nothing. But she has been assisting him as of late. Solely on ice business, of course, but it's still enough that he, as the Americans say, owes her one. What are you getting at? Tanya was too entangled with Pritchard as it was. If she owed her life to him, that would be a dangerous thing. I can pass word along that Tanya will be coming to the safe house tonight. Alistair sipped at his tea. If he could have his countrymen, let's say, move the defector to another location, and the safe house is empty when Tanya arrives, Alistair shrugged. What international incident could that incite? A KGB officer breaks down the door to an empty house? It might be an embarrassment to her, yes, but at least she won't be dead. Nadia studied him. He seemed sincere. He was ice. They were not complete enemies. Is this Pritchard to be convinced? She still wished they could use magic to protect Tanya. Magic was more trustworthy than an American. Alistair smiled. Leave the convincing to me. I've been helping him with his troubles these last few weeks. And I believe he'll listen to an MI6 man, if not to reason. I assure you, this plan is better than any charm we could cook up in the time we have. Nadia set her tea down and looked over at the window. The curtains were drawn, but not tightly. A sliver of sunlight fell through the crack and into a bright line across the floor. A line of energy, although a different sort, a more mundane sort than the ley lines that were the source of all her troubles. If she dies, Nadia said, I will hold you accountable. She turned to Alistair one last time so that he would know she was serious. I understand, Alistair said. Nadia stood and studied Alistair for a moment, long enough to decide she trusted him. And then she marched out of the apartment, away from the West, back to her side of the war. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. 
Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz and how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. Tanya stared down at her typewriter, fingers poised over the keys. She was supposed to be typing a report, a run-of-the-mill thing, something she did every day. But her thoughts were too cloudy to concentrate. She kept seeing Sasha in her head, Sasha leaning over her desk, the radio, her radio. The one thing she had left of her grandfather, sitting in his office as if it belonged there. Sasha flashing her a knowing look as he passed her in the hallway. Sasha informing her that she was to raid the American safe house, to bring the defector back to Russia. And then Nadia, uncharacteristically worried about the danger, commanding Tanya not to go. But she had to go. Nadia should understand that. But Nadia's brains had apparently been rattled from all her boxing. This was a hopeless situation that could only turn more hopeless if Tanya failed to act. Doing nothing? would be a betrayal of Russia, and Russia was the one loyalty she could still cling to. She had the ice, yes, but when it came to defectors, Tanya closed her eyes. There was another reason she had to go, a reason she couldn't tell Nadia. If the defector, the host, left Prague, his fate would rest heavy on her conscience. Either he would be usurped by the international flame operatives, or the American ice would collect him and freeze him for his own safety. Imperfect options, both of them. And some small part of her thought maybe, maybe she could find another way. Even if she died tonight. Even if the defector died tonight. Sometimes, death was the better choice. Tanya shoved away from her desk. She looked up at the clock on the wall. The hands were inching toward afternoon, evening, nightfall. The embassy bustled around her, the voices of the secretaries, a faint chatter in the background, and she couldn't stand it. In these last hours, she needed silence and sunlight and the light touch of the breeze outside, not this dead fluorescent office air. She grabbed her coat and scarf and slipped out. Did she avoid Sasha's watchful gaze? At this point, she wasn't sure it mattered anymore. He already had her radio, already knew he was sending her to die. The day was surprisingly bright, the still bare trees stark against the brilliant blue sky. Tanya tightened her scarf around her throat and tucked her hands into her pockets as she made her way down the embassy steps. The air stung at her cheeks, made her eyes water. It might look like spring was nigh, but they were still in the depths of winter. Tatiana, Tatiana Morozova? The voice rang out like a bell, but it took Tanya a moment to place it. 
She wasn't used to hearing it here, but rather at parties with soft music tinkling all around. She glanced over and found Zarena Polnock walking toward her, one hand clasping her tasteful wool coat closed at her throat. Hello, Zarena. She looked around the empty steps, trying to find a way to excuse herself. It's a lovely day, don't you think? Zarena floated closer. I can feel a spring moving in. Tanya could feel no such thing, only that shivering, biting cold, strong enough to drown out the heat of the sun. But it didn't surprise her that Zarena felt in her element out here. In fact, Zarena said, if you aren't busy, and forgive me, it seems you aren't, if you're leaving the embassy so early, perhaps we could go for a walk to enjoy the spring air. Here, she gestured toward the lifeless trees. Tanya studied Zarena's bright smile. Zarena, of course, gave nothing away. Yes, she said finally. A walk. Wonderful. Zarena tucked her arm into Tanya's as if they were schoolgirls, and together they made their way down the steps and onto the path that wove through the line of trees. Nothing like a walk to clear your head in times of difficulty, don't you think, Tanya? Tanya stiffened. What did Zarena know? Zarena laughed. Oh, <laughs> I'm not blaming you for the Americans' capture of Maxim Sokolov. Don't worry. But these things can make for tense times at the embassy, yes? Tanya pulled her arm away from the crook of Zarena's elbow. Her chest was tight. Yes, she said. It can. Such troublesome times we live in, Zarena went on, speaking airily, looking toward the trees as if discussing quotidian frivolities and not the KGB's deepest failures. That's why I think my parties are so important. They're a distraction from the difficulties of your job. I see the toll it can take on my husband, poor thing. Always so sick. I'm managing well. Thank you, Tanya mumbled. Zarena had never shown her any real kindness, much less made overtures of friendship. She'd always been distant and untouchable, unimportant, really in Tanya's day-to-day -day life. And yet, here they were, their boots clacking out of sync on the stone path while the cold wind whipped around them. Are you? You seem rather pale. Zarena stopped and turned toward Tanya, who stumbled, unsure what to do next. Zarena studied her for a moment, her eyes burning across Tanya's skin. I'm fine. Tanya snapped, and then she continued walking. Get this bizarre stroll over with, and then she could find a place to be alone, to think, to accept her fate. You may be a professional liar, Zarena purred, falling into step alongside her. But we both know you're not telling the truth. Tanya said nothing. Her heart pumped. She stared at the path ahead, curving around into the trees. Zarena leaned in close, her breath warm on Tanya's ear. 
I know what Sashenka has asked you to do. Tanya froze. Her throat closed up. A stupid move, a rookie move. One that gave everything away, and yet she was distracted. She was not herself. Zarena laughed. It sounded like icicles clinking together. Tanya's face flushed with heat. It was one thing for the ambassador's wife to know about the defector, but for her to know that in less than eight hours' time, Tanya would be breaking international treaties. Zarena linked arms with Tanya again and pulled her forward. You look like a deer caught in a hunter's scope, she said. Don't be so frightened. I'm not here to hurt you. Quite the contrary. And then she reached into the pocket of her coat and pulled out a linen handkerchief folded into a neat square. She picked up Tanya's hand and placed the handkerchief in her palm, then curled Tanya's fingers around it. A gift, she said. For a new friend. You can open it here, in the privacy of the trees, but you'll see that it's perhaps something to keep secret. Tanya glanced up at Zarena, trying to find some guidance in her inscrutable features. The object was light, a barely noticeable weight in her palm. Go on, Zarena said. It won't hurt you. And so Tanya unfolded the linen, hands trembling. When she saw what was wrapped inside, her breath stuck in her throat. She almost dropped the object to the ground and ran. It was a charm, although it looked like a piece of jewelry. Silver pounded into a flat triangle. Copper wires wrapped around it in Byzantine patterns. It was beautiful, and not of ice design. I made it myself, Zarena said. You can wear it as a brooch, if you desire, or keep it tucked away, out of sight. She leaned in close, pitching her voice low. It's for protection. Why are you giving this to me? Tanya stared down at the charm. It gleamed in the sunlight. I want you to take it to the safe house with you tonight. Tanya whipped her gaze around to Zarena. What? Why? Zarena flicked her hand dismissively. Is that your concern? Let's just say that I don't always agree with Sasha's motivations. Please, Tatiana, promise me you'll take it with you. Only if you tell me why you're helping me. Zarena laughed. She took Tanya's hand in hers and pulled her along the path. What reasons are there? I could say patriotism, that I don't want Russia to suffer such a terrible embarrassment. Or I could say kindness. Perhaps you are my charity case for this season. Zarena looked over at Tanya. Only know that I fear some people are better alive than dead. Surely that's enough. It wasn't. But Tanya looked down at the charm again. If she were closer to a ley line, she wondered if she would be able to feel its power, to get a sense of what it would do to protect her. You think this is a trap? Serena smiled and shook her head. Sashenka hears you paranoid, 
We aren't all as cool as he is. We, Tanya said. Zarena didn't look over at Tanya, but her mouth curved up into a teasing smile. Oh, Tatiana, don't pretend you don't recognize the origin of that charm's magic. Tanya stopped. The charm pressed against her palm. Zarena strode a few steps farther, and then she stopped as well and glanced over her shoulder. Your flame, Tanya whispered. Her head buzzed. The charm seemed to burn against her skin. Maybe, maybe not. Zarena slinked back toward her, her movements as graceful and easy as if she were dancing. But if we're to be friends, I will tell you this. Zarena leaned in close, the tips of her hair grazing against Tanya's cheek. Tanya stood very still, afraid that if she moved, Zarena would lash out with flame magic. I know the names of all the flame operatives in Prague, Zarena whispered. And as a show of faith, I'll tell you one now. Why, snapped Tanya, shh, listen. A pause, Tanya could barely breathe. What did it mean for Russia, that the ambassador's wife belonged to the flame? And why was she helping Tanya? Tanya curled her fingers over the charm. A trap, it had to be a trap. Sasha Komietsky, Zarena said. Tanya jerked away, stunned. She blinked at Zarena, who was watching her with a calm, appraising expression. What did you say? Tanya hissed. Sasha Komietsky, head of KGB Prague Station, is an acolyte of flame. Zarena waved one hand dismissively in the direction of the embassy. Now you know why he was so insistent on sending you to your death. But, as I said, and here she smiled her dazzling party smile. I don't agree with his choice of actions. Zarena began walking again, and Tanya followed, taking deep breaths, trying to calm herself. She didn't want to believe Zarena, but this revelation made an unsettling sort of sense. No wonder her grandfather's radio held such a fascination for Sasha. He'd never thought she was a traitor to Russia. He was only a flame operative, trying to get at the ice. Tanya closed her eyes. She wondered if he'd spoken to her grandfather's construct, what he said, what he asked. What's in it for you, telling me this? Tanya asked, although she didn't expect an answer. Zarena smiled. Such a good little spy. You won't stop digging until you get that intel, will you? Tanya didn't respond. Fine, I'll divulge one more secret. Sasha upset me yesterday. He behaved inappropriately. I won't say more than that. Perhaps we may soon become true friends, and I will elaborate. They had reached the end of the path. The embassy appeared up ahead, windows shining in the sunlight. Tanya considered it. She thought of her grandfather's radio, 
sitting in Sasha's office, and her stomach turned. Tanya didn't know if she trusted Zarena, but in that moment, she made a decision. She shoved the charm into her pocket, handed the handkerchief back to Zarena. Zarena brushed it away. Keep it, she said. Perhaps when you are alive tomorrow morning, it will serve as a reminder as to who helped you in this dark time and who wanted to see you dead. You're listening to The Witch You Came In From The Cold, created and produced by Realm, your portal to another world. Listen away. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. The Witch Who Came In From The Cold is created by Max Gladstone and written by Max Gladstone, Lindsay Smith, Cassandra Rose Clark, Ian Tregellis, and Michael Swanwick. Performed by Christine Lakin and John Glushevich. Directed by Dennis Kao. Produced by Julian Yap and Marco Palmieri. Associate Producers Corey Barton and Devin Shepard. Executive Produced by Molly Barton. Audio Production by Literati Audio. Audio Editing by Evan Arnett and Fred Koch. Mixing and Mastering by Jeremy Wesley. Original Music by Katherine Anderson. Find more shows like this on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.